Hello and welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast, a place where we talk about love and its power to transform and heal. We talk about all things related to growth, positivity, and kindness. And I am your host, Corinne Kamara. Hello and welcome to episode 53, Falling in Love with Life. There is no one quite like life coach, author, and motivational speaker, Sean Antonio. Sean specializes in helping people lean into their purpose and inspiring and motivating them to be bigger and better, no matter their personal circumstances in life. Sean has died twice, almost four times, but he keeps coming back. In 2017, Sean was accused of a crime he did not commit and could not afford to fight. Despite all the challenges Sean has faced, he dug deep and understood that there was a purpose in the design. In his darkest hours, he wrote his first two books and started coaching a number of his friends, something he was doing naturally for years as a passion rather than a purpose. Sean coaches a number of celebrities and executives, but he's fiercely passionate about inspiring those stuck in the system, foster kids, inmates, and the homeless. Sean is committed to inspiring and motivating the lives of one billion people in his lifetime. It's his North Star and guiding light. Sean and I talk about the power of life and being fearless and living your life to the fullest and living your purpose. This is a passionate conversation. I'm so excited for you to hear. Let's get into today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast. Today, I'm so excited because I get to connect with Sean Antonio. Hi. Hello, hello, <laughs> It's been, we met in LA six years ago and it's somebody that's been in my mind all this time. And when I created this podcast, you're, she, he's one of the pers- people that I wanted to bring on here because I love his energy and what he's doing in the world. And I'm so excited for you all to learn about who he is. Welcome. Yay. Thank you for my welcome. Hello, 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 everybody out there. Thanks for tuning in. Karina, it's awesome to see you. I think we got, I think we're deeper than six. I think we're, we're seven. I think I met you in 2014. Seven? Okay. When, yeah, because you were coming to my Jazz Eclectic Night at Riviera 31 at the Sofitel Hotel. And at Jazz Night on Mondays, I blew it up and made it this like worldwide phenomenon. We had all types of big ass celebrities perform and stuff like that. I remember when you came in, I just loved your energy. I was like, who's her? Like your, your <laughs> energy was just like, first of all, your swag is badass. So when you walked in, I'm like, first of all, she's dropped in gorgeous. And then you spoke and it got better. And I'm like, oh, she also has a brain. <laughs> just like this, this like thing, you know? And I remember just building a, a really cool, I wouldn't even say surface friendship. We had a pretty solid friendship. It was never really, it, it was it was always pretty, like I was always excited to see you in the times we got, we got to connect. It was great. I knew I was busy running around the place hosting shit, but our moments we had were beautiful. So yeah. it's an honor to reconnect with you and see your face and be on your show. Thank you. Yeah, you're one of these people that is so good at connecting, even if it's like, a minute, but it's like a minute that goes deep. It's like, (laughs) move on to the next thing. So it's a very, very unique gift that you have that you're really able to connect with people and you remember people's names, which I'm always Mm. like, you you meet someone once, everybody, you remember everyone's name. And I'm just like, that's a really amazing skill. Yeah. It's one of my superpowers. It's that. And like, I've, I've always had a crazy memory. I discovered it when I was about 17 years old. I didn't study for a big test. I was, I was pre-med in college. I didn't study for a test. And the next day I got an A. And I was like, that's weird. And then I realized that I have, uh, I, I called it a, photograph, a ph- photographic memory back then. But then in 2016, a year after we, uh, well, after the last time I saw you, a friend of mine was like, hey, that's my friend, Sean. He remembers everybody's names all the time. And I said, yeah. And I met this girl he was on a date with. And I said, yeah, I'm Sean. Nice to meet you. She goes, cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm so-and-so. And she works in like the world of psychology and brain, you know, neurology. And I was like, cool. Yeah, I have photographic memory. She goes, well, tell me about your, your memory. I'm like, well, I can remember dates, times, people, last time I saw them, their friends' names, the, the job they're at. I can remember all that stuff, the last drink they had. And she goes, oh, no, you're wrong. It's not photographic. It's called edetic. I was like, what's edetic? She goes, edetic memory is, is that what you can recall. And a lot of them, she said a lot of high-powered ranking, um, like CIA and, and espionage people and spies and she like, they have memories like that. And that's what makes them such an efficient person. I'm like, that makes so much sense. Why? And I looked up edetic. Yeah. why I can remember the most random shit, <laughs> you know? So yeah, I remember meeting you and I was like, and then I heard your name on like Kareem Kamara. I'm like, oh, what a great name. I'm like, it's just like smooth. But yeah, I, I, I can't, I don't know how not to go deep. 
And that shifted for me a long time ago. I don't know how to be surface. I'm, not, I'm never going to ask you how the weather is. I'm never going to ask you like a random, like, how are you doing? That's like the, the gayest thing ever, in my opinion. And that shout out to my LBG, LBGTQIF community. I love you all. It's not a gay thing against you guys, but you know, it's just like, we don't have time to be surface. And that's the way I see life. I, I don't really want to be surface with people. Intimacy is so beautiful. And that's what I want to do is just be intimate and connected to people. So yeah, you and I, our moments we had, they were so profound, so short, so quick, but profound. Exactly. I love that. Me too. And so I always wanted to, I always start the podcast asking all my guests what their love lesson is. And a love lesson is essentially a moment in your life, or it could be a series of moments where you have an aha moment. It's a catalyst, something in your life that shifted that you were like, okay, this is a painful moment, a transformational moment, and I'm going to take this moment and move into a different direction. And now I'm going to be of service to people. Ooh, that's profound. I love that. Okay. Um, so I have a bunch of moments, but I'll give you one that really got it, got it for me. So I'm 47 years old. Um, I think you know this. I'm a Panamanian in Dutch descent. So I grew up, I was born in Brooklyn, New York, but I speak four languages. I speak Spanish, Dutch, uh, Australian English. This is the whole thing. <laughs> Portuguese and obviously English. So I speak all that stuff. But when I was 22 years old, I was living in, in South Florida and specifically uh, in Broward County in Tamarack. I had a house with my mom. Uh, we bought out in Tamarack. And I was I was actually living at my apartment in Miramar, but had the house with my mom. Point being, on the Sunday night, I went out. Um, I was uh, a professional dancer back then. I had my own dance company. I danced in clubs in South Beach and in clubs in Fort Lauderdale. I had my own dance company. I had about 200 employees that worked for me, or worked with me. We were a team. And uh, I got hit by a car on a Sunday night and died. Like, legit. You never heard the story. But I got hit by a car at the corner of Johnson and Tash Street in Hollywood, Florida, at 9.39 p.m. at night. Uh, 84 Centra, dead sober, Indian gentleman. Um, no drugs, no alcohol, but didn't see me, quote unquote. And I died. Legit. I got hit from behind. Didn't see it coming. I was wearing an orange Adidas shirt. I have blonde hair. I'm six foot. I had blue suede pumas. I was like a fucking flashlight. And he didn't see me, which was, to me, makes no sense, but it is what it is. So I got hit. And when I woke up, I was surrounded by cops, uh, fire department, you know, the whole thing, ambulance. And I, I remember having this ascension moment of like rising out of my body and seeing like this out-of-body experience. I didn't believe in that stuff until it happened to me. Because yeah. then I remember just like this experience of like falling back in my body and like popping up and I had I, I lights in my eyes and it was some other light from some energy energy force but it was definitely the cops waking me up with lights and I woke up and I remember surviving that so unfortunately what happened to me is um I couldn't walk and my vocal cords were fucked for a bit so um I got up in shock out of shock my body got knocked me up and I went to go hang out with Back then, I was experimenting, so I thought I was gay for a bit, so I dated guys for a couple of years. Um, didn't go all the way with guys, but I just tried guys. I'm like, all right. So this guy I was dating, I went to his house, and his dad was a huge, huge heart surgeon. And I walked into his house. We were supposed to go out that next South Beach to a club called Cameo. Fucking sick place. We used to go dance there. And uh, I walked in, and I collapsed. I blacked out. And his father, being the, the badass, like, published, like, pretty famous uh, heart surgeon, he was cardiac surgeon, he, they rushed me to the hospital. Turns out I had lacerated, all my organs were lacerated. They're all scarred inside. So I was, in, I was bleeding internally. So if I hadn't go to the hospital, I would have actually died again and like actually died. So luckily he got me in fast. Like he used his VIP, you know, his clout to get me in. And man, I remember waking up and my whole body was wrapped. I was a mummy. I have a Polaroid somewhere. And somebody took a me wrapped from toes to head. It was crazy. Or head to toe. It was crazy. So I remember having that aha moment going wow, they spared me, or I'm here for a reason, like that happened, like, how did I survive getting hit? I was standing by myself, crossing the street, I stood for a second and got hit, and I bent the guy's car, that's how hard he hit me, and I flew, I flew five car lengths, I had road rash all over me, it was crazy, as a dancer, I had to take a break from dancing, I could walk, I had to do rehab for a year, it was pretty bad, and um, I remember having that moment of going, God, I, I gotta really live my life out loud, I gotta really step up, and I was really living a great life, but it gave me such a carpet DM kind of experience of like seize every fucking second and do all the things now. And that's one of my profound moments that woke me up. So 25 years of living that energy, the person you met back in 2014, I'm fueled by that moment. I'm fueled by like, they gave me another chance, whoever the they are, the, you know, the, the ethereal they. So that's it. So I've been fearless ever since. Like nothing scares me because I don't have time to be scared. <laughs> I don't have time to be scared. Like that, that's the way I live life. It's like life is urgent. Life is now. Why? What, what, what is there to be scared about? And that's it. That's, that's been my fuel. My, my, that, that love lesson was a big one. You know, getting hit by a car and dying. And in my internal organs, I mean, I couldn't keep liquids down. 
how bad it was. Like I had to, there was no surgery to be done. They couldn't cut me open and fix each organ. It had to right. heal. So it took me a while. And it was, uh, it was crazy. I couldn't dance. I couldn't talk for three days. My vocal cords were shot. Like imagine being able to talk and then for three days not be able to talk at all. You know, like it was crazy. So, wow. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It was pretty, pretty profound moment. So from that moment on, you're like, I'm going to live bold, loud, as big as and loud as I want to. Yep. Yep. Uh, reckless abandon kicked in. Like when I say that, responsible reckless abandon. But I just, I just realized that we, we, we take life so for granted. Like we, we pretend, we, we procrastinate on the things we really want. We hold our tongues. We don't say what we really want. We don't live how we really want. We settle and we sacrifice. One of my tattoos, I don't think I've ever shown it to you, but it says never settle. Mm -hmm. This tattoo has been on my, my, my hand, my right hand. For those of you guys out listening out there, you can't see it, but it's on my right hand. It says never settle. This is the hand I brush my teeth with. So every day, it's a reminder, Sean, what are you settling for in life? Who are you being that you're allowing that kind of energy in your life? So this has been my checkmate for the past you know, 10 years and change. I've had it on me. And my other one says, trust yourself on my other hand. And trusting myself is trusting my intuition, my gut, and really living my purpose. You know, And that's the thing I, I coach people on. We'll talk about that later. But you know, being a life coach, I coach people all over the world. And one of the biggest things I wrestle with is, is people finding their purpose or discovering. They say finding. I'm like, no, we're going we're gonna to dig and discover why you're here what set of unique skills that you have and gifts that they gave you why what do you need to do to express that and live in that seriously so that's i spend a lot of my time with my, co with my clients talking about that what's your purpose you know so like if i asked you right now a friend to friend what's your purpose my purpose is to help heal the world by sharing my love and my compassion and my empathy and to help people feel that they are loved yeah, look at that gangster. See, now you're well rehearsed at that because you're living your purpose. Yeah. Most people can't answer it like that. I, I usually stump people with that question. They usually don't have that answer. So yeah, that was a, a profound moment. It, and there's a series of moments that happened after that as well. That was, uh, I don't know if you know this about me, but short version of the story is I was falsely accused of murder and thrown in jail back in 2017. Uh, I, a gentleman on a motorcycle. Go ahead. I read that and I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll give you the cliff notes on that one. Back in 2017, I was a GM of a, a pretty badass place here in Hollywood called the Phoenix. I just opened it. I was a GM. I was running the place for about seven months. On New Year's Eve morning or New Year's Day morning after running the, the, the venue for 13 hours, New Year's Eve, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I was driving home. I had just moved to Pasadena five weeks before that. I was in Eagle Rock before that for almost four years. I was driving home. It's like 4.30 in the morning and uh, dead sober. No alcohol in my system. Making a left to turn to my house. And legit, out of nowhere, a motorcycle a bullet came out of nowhere and crashed into me. And uh, the gentleman flew over my, my SUV at the time. And uh, I was on the scene of the accident for a while. And cops came and we had all this you know, stuff and talk. And I told him what happened. And I did all the tests and passed all the stuff and dead sober. And I still got falsely accused because I was black in America. I learned that. <laughs> so unfortunately, they had a suspicion of DUI thing they threw me in under. And I'm like, suspicion of DUI? Like, I'm dead sober. What are you talking about? But whatever. <clears throat> so I remember fighting for my life for 14 months. I had to spend 250 grand. Uh, spent... A lot of time in court, uh, fought for everything and just had to rediscover who I am throughout that process. A lot of anger, a lot of PTSD, a lot of things I had to deal with emotionally, but I got through it. But I had to unfortunately take a plea deal. Otherwise, I would have had to raise another $150,000, go have a trial, possibly go against some jurors that had people they lost to, 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 to somebody drunk driving when I was dead sober. But I know that they would have stacked that, that jury that way. So I fought and uh, my plea deal I had to take because the system in America is broken, <laughs> straight up. Um, I had to take a plea deal. So I had to go to jail for, uh, they gave me a nine month sentence. Uh, 125 days was the half of what you do. And I did 113, out of 118 total because the five days I was in when they first arrested me, I was there from January 1st to January 5th of 2017. And then a year later, when I went in on February 5th, uh, February, yeah, February 5th, February 7th, I went in and I had to take a sentence, a plea deal. So you I went to jail. I, I went to jail. Yep. For 113 days what after that thing happened. Yep. Fuck? I was in jail for murder. Well, um, they, they, they called it vehicular manslaughter without gross negligence. And they said, no matter what the situation was for me, whether I was dead sober or daylight, or I was in the right or wrong, I was involved in an accident where someone died. So it's my fault. And I'm like, wow, that's the system. And yeah, I bounced off a bunch. I have a bunch of lawyer friends and they were like, Sean, that's like one of my besties was crying. He's like, even if I represented you, bro, that's probably the best deal I could have gotten you. I'm like, wow. One of my besties of like almost 20 years said that. Is it really because you're black? Because I feel like people have done that before. And There's other things. There's other mega impacts. 
the, the, the police, I'll leave it here. The, the police department wasn't the most uh, professional. They were very corrupt, just to be straight up. And uh, there's a lot of mo- moving parts to those. It definitely, like, being black contributed to it. Because they couldn't, I mean, I have video footage of them saying stuff like just completely, like, just completely judge me before they met me. They're like, oh, he looks drunk. Let's just give him a DUI. They didn't even meet me yet. And on camera, they're like, yeah, he's, we're going to give him an S4 or whatever, S5, they called it or some shit. They're like, I forget what the thing was, but they said, yeah, we're just going to put that on him. I hadn't even met me yet. <laughs> and, I, and I remember oh. I, I met these guys and I was well-spoken in my suit and all that. And I guess they just didn't like, who knows? I'm not going to put anything on it. Long story short, I had to fight for my life and I went to jail for 113 days. And it was a jungle. And, you know, I learned so much about humanity, myself and people. And I'm grateful for the experience now because the things I learned and maybe I'm, I'm, I'm insanely resilient and patient, man, now. So lessons I learned in there, I'm grateful for every second I was in there. And uh, it sucks to say it, but the truth is I do it all over again as far as the experience of going through that, because it grew me to become the man I am today. And without those experiences, I would not have been able to be as powerful and unstoppable as I am today. And so amount of compassion and empathy i'm sure oh hell yeah oh yeah i definitely had some of that but i got all of it in there compassion and empathy yeah. i did some really cool things in there i coached some people while i was in there yeah. i did a love seminar teaching people how to love i did meditation circles i led prayer circles i did workout regimes at one point i had a third of my they call it dorms a third of dorms or the dorms that had about 96 people on average guys and at one, one point, I was the only one working out and a couple of the people working out. But then all of a sudden, I just started working out twice a day. And people were like, yo, hey, man, can, can you work me out? And then it just became a landslide. So all of a sudden, we were, you know, unfortunately, segregation in there. So it's the Blacks and the Hispanics. And I'm Black Hispanic, so that was tricky. <laughs> I had to navigate that conversation. But um, yeah, I had people just working out and being the best selves, reading and doing what they could and communicating and dealing with their anger. And I was helping them rehab their mindset. And that was, I made it fun. I'm like, I'm going to be here for a while. This is my home. I'm going to make my home awesome. So despite all the circumstances of how angry and just explosive it was of being in there and all the, the violence, I just found my, my window, my lane. I stayed there. So yeah, falsely accused of murder. Crazy, huh? <laughs> I feel like there was so much blessing that you probably bestowed on those inmates that yeah, their lives. For yeah. Hey, I heard a new phrase that I really want to spread. I just heard it last week from my friend Ernst. Ernst uh, Feladon Jr., he's a badass. He was unfortunately, uh, had some issues and he went, to j- he went to prison for 14 years. We did a podcast last, uh, last week, a two-part podcast for three hours. And we talked about prison reform. And he said, there no- we wouldn't get rid of the, the connotations, the negative connotations of ex-con, convict, or um, like you just said, uh, inmates. He calls uh, them, us, incarcerated people. And I like that. So I, I like that term. Like, let's call them, like, instead of calling people homeless, my friend taught me to call them houseless. I'm like, wow. So houseless and incarcerated people. Like, shaking off the negative vibration it's been for us and how we've been saying, like, we got so conditioned to put people in a box. You know, like, I have friends who've been in jail for some crazy stuff and prison. And they're just people who made some bad choices back then. Who they are now is not who they were back then. But they were kids or they were in their 20s. They did some dumb shit. They sold drugs or shot somebody they were a gang member whatever it was but who they are now and then and my dad said it best in my opinion he said in every moment you get to choose who you be so when i was in there i chose i'm like i'm gonna stay in my lane i'm gonna meditate whoever wants to join me can join me whoever wants to talk deep whoever wants to play chess i'm in whoever wants to play handball i'm in i'm gonna destroy you <laughs> like i was like i was that guy i'm like let's go so i made the best out of a really tragic situation and when i came out i had to heal myself i had to heal before i could engage with my coaching again i had to heal sean because I was not well when I came out. I was angry and a different person and defensive and jumpy. And I was not, I was not nice, to be honest. I was very, very cold. And I had a, a darkness in my eyes that I just couldn't unsee the shit I saw in there. So, but I rehabbed my mindset and I rehabbed my heart. And I, I forgave the situation, the officers and all the hate that I was carrying for all that situation. I forgave it because they were just doing what they know how to do. That's it. So even as black, white, whatever the scenario is, right? I just found out that I was black in America. And that was weird at 42 years old to find that out. So I've always just been Sean, this guy, not a black guy named Sean. You know? so, right. I don't know. I laugh because it, you get through these moments. You go, wow, I walked through all that fire. And here I am. Right. Grateful. Gratitude. Gratitude. Yeah. It's so interesting because when I met you in, um, this is before you went to prison. And I remember one of the things I thought about, I was like, wow, this is a black man that's just like living his life without having this like 
chip on your shoulder of being a black man in America. You were just a person. Yep. Connecting 100%. with connecting with everybody. And I was everybody. Like, wow. Cause I know at yeah. the time I had such insecurities about being black and connecting with people. And this, this party was in Beverly Hills. And I was like, Oh, I don't know. And yeah. you felt so free in that space. And I remember admiring you. I was like, God, I want to be that free and not like have this whole mm. race. Oh, thank you. And just be so thank like, you. connect, be able to connect with everyone. And I thought that was so beautiful. So it was, it's interesting that to hear you say that you didn't experience that until you went to prison yes. afterwards. Yes, I mean, and, and to speak a little bit more about that, I've been racially profiled in the past by random dumb shit and I've been said some, and I just always like a duck, let it just roll off me because I, I don't care, I, I love people, but to acknowledge what you said, and thank you for that compliment because I just got goosebumps off of that statement. I was so committed to that Monday night at, at Jazz Eclectic being an all-inclusive experience for every human, no matter what you look like, what you did for a living, whether you were famous or not. And obviously you saw that room, that room was full of all types of huge celebrities and like John from the real estate company. <laughs> like, yeah, like, right, right. You know, and I just wanted everybody, my, as you saw me do, my job as the event host, the promoter and the guy who put the whole thing together, uh, I should say co-hosted because they had started it without me and then I came in and made it a monster. Um, I wanted everybody to feel like they were at home. I wanted people to have a, a living room experience in a venue. And I wanted everybody, no matter what race, color, nationality, where you came from, whether you were visiting as a tourist, because a lot of, at the Soap Hotel, when I, um, it was such a great, it took me a while to get the partnership right, but because the, the, the corporate company was like really not connecting with us, and say, hey guys, can we allow your guests to come to our jazz eclectic night? Because why not have your guests that are in town from France, because they were a French, they're a French uh, company, why don't we just put like the jazz eclectic flyers or invites in their check-in? So when they check in, they go, oh, I'm here on Monday. There's this jazz night we can go to. And Stevie Wonder might be there, which Stevie Wonder was there that one night. And fucking completely, it was insane. I mean, all types of random people show up. But yeah, my, my, my goal every night was to have you have the best night of your life. That's it. I wanted everybody in that room, whether it was your first time or you came every Monday, to experience everything. And as you saw me, I would grab my friends who were professional singers, who were first-time singers, who were icons in the world. And I'd put them up on a microphone. I'm like, hey, so-and-so, T-Pain's here. Let's go. Hey, Macy Gray's here, guys. Boom, let's go. Hey, uh, uh, Gypsy Kings are here. Let's go. You know, De La Soul showed up one night. I was freaking out. I was like, oh, my God, De La Soul. <laughs> I was such a fan. Where I'm like, hey, Boston News, we look like each other. He's like, yeah, we kind of do, bro. I'm like, oh, yeah. We started talking. I'm like, you're a badass. <laughs> I'm like, such a fanboy. Like, we had some huge people. Timbaland came one night. Oh, it was great. So that night for me was an express. You know what that was? It was an expression of my heart. Mm. that night was an expression of my heart and it showed thank you and, and when you left and i remember going back on a monday when you were no longer doing it and i was it was so sad it was like oh i God. heard it was i so know sad. i heard people told me i like, know I, I almost uh, cried i was like yeah this i was just like wow it's you know what you know that really made me feel like which also sh changed my perspective on how one one's one person's energy and one person's heart and one person one person's desire to create something makes all the difference in the world because your energy was infused in every aspect of that space and when you were gone it was like the whole thing died it was like yeah they were not able to keep it up because uh, you were the you were you were it you brought that was that the thing energy. yeah yeah thank you for saying that because it broke my heart because when i left those guys august of 2015 to move to australia we were pregnant with viva our daughter she's now six years old it's crazy i remember telling everybody on staff from the, the random djs that used to come by to the staff the bar staff to management to my my team players that i partnered with to concierge to ballet i taught them everything i knew to keep that night as shawnified as possible you know because i was like guys keep this night here's what you got to do blah 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 and and they're like yeah sean we got this we got every i mean for weeks because i knew i was leaving it i i, I gave him like a two-month crash course on how to be the most effective at having that night stay magical that night was magical right Man. and i heard from a lot of people the week after i was gone a month after i was gone six months after a year and when we came back from australia i went so we went in february of uh, 2016, Viva, our daughter was like six months old. We rolled in and it was not the same. And oh, I was God. heartbroken, man. Exactly. I was like, and everybody lit up. It was a shot. And he put me in the microphone, like, hey, what's up, guys? I'm here. And I looked around the room and I saw, like, I mean, I used to put two, 300 people in that room throughout the night. There was like 50 people in the room and like, I recognized 10 of them. 
it broke my heart. I was like, oh, my night died. <laughs> so, <laughs> but they just relaunched again. And I, they did a Monday night jazz, um, jazz eclectic dedicated to Beyonce because she just turned 40 on Saturday, right? So they did a thing and I saw it and I'm like, I wish them the best. And I, I that, that team all together, thank you for the acknowledgement. Because I came in, they asked me to come in to kind of boost that night and take it over. And I did. And, uh, and I really, it was a great way to end my career of events. And it was awesome. I did 3,865 events. And that was one of my last events over a 17-year period. It was so great. between LA, Bay, Chicago, Dallas, and Miami. So it was a great, like, hang your, you know, uh, a sports analogy, hanging my, my tank top up in the bleachers, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. it, was, it was a great way to go out. And it I loved that night. Oh, it was, it was like, it's still one of my highlights. It was probably my favorite thing about LA was, the, was those nights, <laughs> for sure. Ah, it's awesome. Now you segue into life coaching because now you're in a completely yeah. different industry, which I feel like it's so natural because you're naturally a life coach. Just talking to you yes. casually, you yes. are motivating, you're inspirational, you're, you love people, you connect with people so well. So it's a natural mm -hmm. progression to become a life coach. But how did you internally shift in that space and how did you decide to do it professionally and what are you doing now with people? Yeah, for sure. I'll answer that. So back in here's the, the, the origin stories when I was 17, 18 years old, I realized that I had this gift for connecting with people. I just did. I realized I can connect with people of any race, any color, speaking a bunch of languages. And my energy was so uh, contagious, people would flock to me. So I used my powers for good. I definitely use it for evil in my teens, <laughs> sometimes in my 20s. <laughs> but uh, naturally, I was curious about humans. So I started studying psychology back in the, my late teens, early 20s. I got really fascinated about issues. And I had a lot of mommy and daddy issues growing up because my mom and dad got divorced when I was six years old. I realized I had a lot of anger. So from the ages of six to about 20, 28 years old, I was so busy trying to prove myself to everybody by doing extraordinary things and showing off and being the best at everything. But I realized I always had this empty core inside of me. And so in 2003, I did a, a bunch of courses, personal de development courses from 2003 to 2008. I got addicted to like the psychology of humans. I did 17 courses on how many hours I spoke on stages. I did all this crazy shit. And I, re I just reinvented myself. And I, and I heard about this life coaching thing. And I was like, oh, that, that could be cool. And I met a life coach who was coaching one of my celebrity friends. And, I, and he was like this total laid back surfer dude in t-shirt and jeans. I'm like, and you're a life coach. And he gets paid a bunch of money. I'm like, what did you do to get there? And he's like, I studied this and did that and got certified. I'm like, oh, cool. So that's what it takes. And so I started doing all that shit. And people started organically coming to me. And my friends, my celebrities, my, my people in my nightclubs are always coming to me for advice. And I was like, oh, wow. And then one day, here's what actually happened. August 2011, which I just celebrated 10 years of having my company, my life coaching company. My wife, well, my business partner at the time, who's my wife now, <laughs> she, um, Alicia, shout out to Alicia Antonio. She's a beast. Google her. She's a badass. Um, she, um, she said to me, hey, I noticed as your business partner, half the time you're on the phone promoting our events, putting it together, like coordinating, uh, collecting money, whatever. And half the time you're coaching people. Do you know you can make money off of that? And I'm like, oh yeah, it's that life coaching thing. She goes, well, yeah, why don't you do that? And I'm like, okay. So we formed my company. Back then it was called Inspired Life Consulting, ILC. I always had this shitty way of hiding my name instead of being ownership of my name. So even when I started my, my company, my events company, it was called Famoso, famous by Sean Antonio in small letters. And one of my friends called me, I goes, why is your name so small here, bro? It should be Sean Antonio Presents. And I'm like, that's kind of egotistical. They're like, yes, but it's your brand. Mm -hmm. And so that was my brand forever, Sean Antonio Presents. And, um, and then it became SA Inc. in 2011. And that became the umbrella company for all of our stuff. So I just got obsessed with helping people and seeing results. And I, and I helped a lot of people get to where they want to go. And then one day I said, fuck it, I'm going to go launch it. And I put it out on my Facebook page, my Nightlife Facebook page back then. And I'm like, hey, guys. And I think MySpace as well. I think it's still around back then. <laughs> and I said, hey, guys, um, I am throwing events still, but I'm also life coaching. Anybody want to come see me? And at that point in time, I had met like four, four or five million people at that point in time. So I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to have a line around the block. Two people. Two people said, yeah, I'm in. And I'm like, that's all I get? I was kind of like. I'm not going to life coach that one. Two people will not sustain my life. They won't make it, you know, but right. I coach these two women. They change their lives. And I realized that I had this innate ability with words and all the stuff I'd studied and, and the fearlessness I had to really change the world. So I just started digging into it and just created my company. It's called Sean Antonio Life Coaching. I put my name in front of it, which I should. It just makes sense. And I started coaching people all over the world. And um, it just became natural to like guide people and you know, and one of the things about being a life coach, I'm sure um, all life coaches will agree with this statement. Um, I'm boldly saying that is that you have to deal with yourself before you can call yourself a life coach or a therapist or psychologist, like a psychotherapist. You have to deal with your shit. So for me, 
I spend a lot of time dealing with my own issues such that when I'm coaching you, I'm not coaching from a biased black guy, Hispanic, Dutch guy, and what happened to me. I'm coaching you from where you're at. So that's what it takes. And it takes a specific unique skill set. I am like no other life coach on this planet. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just a unique soul who has all these things that I give to you. And I have my, my business is built out to where I curate. So say, for example, I was coaching you. I would curate our sessions to your life and what you need and what you said you wanted. And that's it. And I just want to see you win. I want, my goal is to get people to crush life every day. So shifting into life coaching full-time just became organic. And luckily, just like how I started my, I say luckily, destiny-wise, just like I started my, night, my nightlife business, uh, organically, people started referring me. Like, oh man, my friend Sean, he's a life coach. He, he really changed my life, this one session I had. And it just became like clusters. So like my business right now is all clusters of people. Like 12 people I know each other and seven people I know each other and a mom and a dad. And like I, it's like that in couples. And like, so I'm very grateful for my people around the world to support me. But yeah, I just took my nightlife thing and shifted it into, which is really tricky because everyone's like, oh, that's party guy, Sean. He hosts events all over the country in America and like blah, 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 in Australia too. And um, am I going to go to that guy for coaching? And people were like, yeah, because he always gave me good advice. And when we talk, we go deep. <laughs> So it was really interesting to take that hat, legit take that hat off and put on a new hat called, you know, I'm not a therapist, but I have the skill set of therapists, you know, I didn't want to go that way. That for me, that was true, 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 traditional. And it occurred like, it occurred, no offense to my therapists out there, my dear friends who are therapists, it occurred like they keep them stuck. And legit, I, this two years ago, I was creating my online courses. I have an online school, Sean Antonio platform on Teachable. Um, and, and by the way, guys, you can find me on seanantonio.com, S-H-A-W-N, Antonio, A-N-T-O-N-I-O.com, and all my stuff's there. But on my Teachable platform, I was creating some courses, and this gentleman was ear hustling next to me and Alicia, wifey. And uh, he turns around, older white gentleman, and he goes, hey, how are you guys today? I'm like, yeah, great. He goes, I couldn't help but listen to what you guys are talking about. What are you doing? I go, I'm creating an online course. I'm a life coach. He goes, I'm a therapist. I just retired. He goes, good on, and he said this, I'll never forget, he says, good on you for doing what you do. Because a little side note, don't tell my fellow therapists, we keep them stuck. You fix them and you get them to where you want to go. I'm like, yeah, because one of my mantras is, I want to be, I'll be your life coach, right? But I, I want you to fire me as soon as possible. Like, I want to be as useless as possible as soon as possible. I want your life to be so like your bucket list checked off, your money, whatever your goals are in life, your dreams, your aspirations. I want to get them all done. So then you can fire me. And in the 10 years I've been coaching, I've been fired once. And it's because we had a little breakdown. Me and I was coaching this couple and we had a breakdown. It just didn't work out. Much love to them. But I'd say, and they didn't fire me. We just parted ways. But no one inspired me because we're not done. We're not done. Well, I mean, I have um, a spiritual life coach and I will never fire her. Even if yeah. I hit all my numbers and everything I've ever yeah. done in my life. Because honestly, it's, I think it's really important to have somebody yes. that you supports you that's in your yep. corner that's your cheerleader and also helps you give you a different perspective because we're always in our 100%. own mind in our own lives to have someone be like hey have you thought about this or hey have you done this hey are yep. you, account you know somebody that keeps you accountable yeah and big time it's amazing so it really yep. helps. It, you, I, I highly recommend it everybody listening to this i highly i have two life coaches i have my six-year-old daughter viva who teaches me how to play and be silly and all that and she, she's like daddy you know i'm your life coach right and so she gives me like this wonderment she taught me how to wonder again and my wife alicia she's a badass she gives me such a great perspective on life and i have a couple of friends i bounce stuff off of but like my sounding board's in-house counsel so anytime i anytime i need something i bounce off of them and they, they give me like the honest opinion and it's great and it's just you know yes i i highly recommend everybody have some form of coach that is is allowing you to be your true self and sees you for who you are right like and because what i get the pleasure of seeing is what you say you want to become that you haven't seen yet so i focus on that like right. I, I truly see my people for what they are not the version of they've been selling me not the enrollment of like well sean you don't understand my dad and my mom and, uh, nah fuck all that boring we get rid of victimhood we get rid of all, i get rid of all that stuff because that's 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 a waste of time so yeah, I'm, I'm happy you have a spiritual life coach. That's great. You got to have somebody. I mean, honestly, like they saw my potential. Like I didn't even see my potential, right? Like these are yeah. people that are like, this is your potential. This is where you can be. And you are over yeah. here. You want to be over here. Yep. Like, let's yep. help you get to- Let's go there. Right. And it's like, exactly. wow, I had no idea that that was even a potentiality. But you know what's interesting? I feel like your soul always knows. 
Like there's no mistake. Yeah, but I, we don't listen to our soul. Right. <laughs> we like, and I love what you said about the insecurity of being a, a black woman, right? Like all that. Cause I had an insecurity about being a mixed race black dude in America. And so I understand like I, I didn't fit in anywhere. So I just started designing my own lane at a very young age, but I remember always feeling an outcast. So I, I get what you struggled with as well. Like that's insecurity that, that if you allow it to run your life, life doesn't turn out, you get stuck with your potential. I don't, I don't want it. Like when people used to tell me, Hey, Sean, I see you have a lot of potential. I'm like, ah, oh, no, no, no. I'm going to go do the potential thing. I'm not going to hold on to it. I don't want to hold on to it. I want to use it. You know? So <laughs> I know, right. When people, you're so powerful. And I'm like, uh, I want to be <laughs> like, not, you know, yeah. not, not be spoken of as a, as a potentiality. It's definitely. Yeah. And, and truth be told, I did, the past year I've done a deep dive with my people and the deep dive I got was people have a bigger fear of, of success than a bit and then a fear of, of failure failure is the easy part because failure you get to punish yourself self-sabotage live in the abyss of that bullshit right but in fear of success what if you could that's the scary part right like i love this quote i saw last earlier this year and it's in my phone it says what if you turn your magic all the way the fuck on Ooh, i love it right I i'll send it to you after, so after this but what if think about that what if you turn your magic all the way, if everybody listening on this podcast, like if, if you turned your magic all the way on, how the fuck would your life look? Like seriously, like that's so Magical. exciting to think, right? <laughs> right? You I would never that. want for anything. Yeah. Yes. I, I don't know where I found it, but I got it. I have 900 and something quotes on my phone that I send to people depending on the mode and what, what we're coaching on. But man, that got me. Because my magic's on, right? But it was on 95%. Now I'm at 99.2%. I'm going to 100. I'm going to 100. Let me just say your 95% is like a million percent. It's like, <laughs> like, like your yeah, energy I is like explosive. I mean, yeah. you know, we're on, a, you know, people are listening to this or they're seeing it and they're only getting a small percentage of the potentiality yeah. of being in person. Your energy is like, ah, it's so big and so yeah, big. It is. And it's, and it's yeah. so beautiful to see because. I feel like yeah. most people don't allow themselves to be that big, yeah. that loud. There you go. You know, and that's the catch, right? The catch is to actually allow yourself to be who you are. That's the thing you gotta become for everybody listening and watching this thing is like, I don't apologize for who I am. And that's the thing. We're so busy waiting for permission from somebody, from some outside source. Yeah. We're so busy holding back from who we truly are. It's like, I don't apologize for being this loud, big person because I died when I was 22. That's it. You know, I unfortunately lost my dad's COVID in December last year. He was super healthy, never drank with the drugs, but got COVID, had caused an ischemic stroke. He was living back in Panama and he died 10 days, December 12th, sick, December 22nd, dead. 73 years old, six pack, works out seven days a week, ate fucking clean as fuck, died. That was another love wow. moment, love lesson moment. Like, oh, my dad died. Holy shit. And I did everything I could. So we're complete. I did from here. I did everything I could in Panama. I got him a private ambulance. I was, I was on the phone every day, all day. I cleared my coaching schedule for the days he was sick. I did everything. I didn't barely slept those like 10 days. It was crazy. But point being is that you, you, we don't, <laughs> I don't know, man. Everybody's so busy waiting. What are we waiting for? Like it annoys yeah. me. That's one of my biggest pet peeves as a human and as a coach and as a, everything is what are we waiting for, man? Like today is that day to go do that thing you say you want to do, like right fucking now. Mm -hmm. So that's what happened for me. My, my, my inspired, my, why I fell into life coaching organically is because it just made sense. I had to use this persona, this avatar, as my friend Jen Norman calls it from human, humanist beauty. She's a badass, 50 year old, sexy ass, badass Asian woman who's just changing the world of, of like skincare through CBD products. She's awesome. Her and I did a podcast together and yeah, she calls it your avatar. So what are you going to use your avatar for? You have this body, right? You, me, and everybody listening and watching. What are you going to do with your avatar? The 50 years you're here, the 95 years you're here, the, the, the 38 years, whatever your timeline is. We don't know. I don't know. You don't know, right? What are you going to do with your avatar? Are you going to just sit around and put your hands beneath your, your ass and just wait for somebody to go, oh, go do that thing? No, do it all. Live life with urgency. And one of my favorite quotes Buddha said is the trouble is we think we have time. Yeah. It. we think we have time yeah i'm so happy that you're saying that's, that because that's true i think covid for me was fire underneath underneath my ass because when before then i was like okay when 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 and then i became 40 mm -hmm. and i was like this is it like what, mm -hmm. what am i waiting for like and then covid yeah. happened and i was like i could die tomorrow like i could yes. die tomorrow and like, yes 
then and then yeah. what I would then what would I've said that my life was I yeah and, and how I say that to give you more context I've been saying this for the past year how cool do you want your uh, funeral, funeral memorial or celebration of life right that's a big thing these days how big do you want it to be if I die today ego aside this is not an egoic statement if I die party. today it'd be a massive party in multiple states and countries around the world Period. Sadness, but we would say it'd be sadness. But I want everybody that knew me that I met, whether I met them for five minutes or I've known them for 25 years. I want ev everybody knows about me. I want you to live your best life. So, yeah, cry, miss me, all that stuff. But then take me dying and run as fast as you can, as fast as you can, and go do life and slow down sometimes. Smell the roses, take a day off, sit in pajamas, binge on Netflix, eat that pizza, like enjoy <laughs> life. Walk up to that man or woman you've always wanted to tell that you have emotions for. Be, take fucking risk. Throw your, as uh, Steph Curry said, what did he say? He said it like this, and I might be fucking this up. Steph, I don't know you, but if you hear this, um, he said something about throw your heart over the fence, your mind will follow, or your body will follow. Oh. And that makes sense to me. Like, throw your heart over the fence, your body will follow. So for all of us, all the internal noise that we have going on, get rid of it fucking boring aren't you tired of telling those stupid stories like for my people when i talk to them i'm like cool let's spend our first hour of me getting to know you it's usually a download they tell me everything they want to deal with i listen i take notes mentally i memorize everything and i go okay cool here's what we're doing next session we're gonna chop up that story about your mom cool all right mom mama okay now what we're doing is we're gonna call mom we'll get complete about the 25 years of suffering you're gonna ask her for forgiveness and deal with how you've been with her and then you're gonna create a whole relationship boom happens one of my therapists did that i coach a lot of therapists she did that for the first time in her life at 48 years old, she went on her first trip with her mom to wine country. First ever. Wow. And they had a, they had a brilliant time. And her mom was a therapist as well. So there's like this therapist, she, she was always trying to win her mom's affection by becoming exactly who her mom thought she should be. And then she was miserable. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, what is that about? So like, we don't have, everyone on this thing, like we just gotta get better, man. We, we gotta get better. And this COVID thing wasn't, for me, it was a, the great pause as they call it. I love, unfortunately, I don't love the impact of people's businesses and losing my dad and losing people to it. I get that, right? But Mother Nature had to stop us. We were fucking up the planet, period. All of us. I take responsibility for my partner as well. I'm a, I'm a very earth conscious person, but still, there's some dumb shit I was doing. I'm like, that's not okay. Like, we weren't doing, being responsible. So Mother Earth said, all right, guys, everybody sit down. Remember 100 years ago, I did that Spanish food thing? Boom, sit down. You're 100 before that, the Black Plague? Boom, sit down. Like, every 100 years, Mother Nature goes, hey, everybody fucking it up and cleanse. And unfortunately, some of the good went with the bad, but this is a time to reevaluate what the fuck you're doing. I'm going to be doing a Ted talk next year when the world reopens called what now, what now, now that the world's different, who are you going to be? Is your job career really fulfilling? Or is it something you're doing to prove to yourself that you are somebody? Are you living your truth? Are you living in your full self-expression? Are you in a relationship with the person you really love? Are you faking it? Are you lying to yourself? Are you being dishonest? Like what kind of human are you being? You know, what legacy do you want to leave behind? Like, that's a really big deal. Like, yeah. the legacy you should leave behind is exactly you expressed in the world. Right. That's my vision for all my people. It's like, let's go there, you know, and let's be bold and be, you know, some of my most inspired people that I've inspired in my career, in my life, like the Oprah Winfrey's, the Mahatma Gandhi's, the, you know, Paulo Coelho is one of my favorite authors. Like, you know, people who change the game, like, come on, man, like, what do we, I, that, the thing, like it, it, I said, it triggers me as far as like what, what annoys me about people is like, they're just waiting. Like, <laughs> yeah. like my dad doesn't have any more time to wait. He doesn't wait anymore. He's gone. Right. But he lived the fuck out of his life, man. He lived the fuck. And his last two words to me in Spanish was thank you, son. And then he had a stroke right in front of me. I was on FaceTime. It was beautiful. It was chaotic to watch my dad have a stroke. But he said, gracias, hijo. Those last two words. I got my dad's last two words. So I'm grateful. Yeah. My next is one of my next tattoos. What am I get my go see my tattooist in uh, November? He's booked up for like six months. Like, he's crushing the guy. I could call him and be like, "Hey, I'll see you next week." He's like, "Cool." Now he's like, "Oh, I have an assistant." And six months from now, you can come see me. I'm like, "Wow, fuck yeah!" You're like, congratulations. Like, I love when people are success, successful in their business. Yeah, That's me amazing. too, man. Like, why don't we all guys? There's enough money and success, ladies and gentlemen, who are listening right and watching. There's enough money and success out there for all of us. Right. Just got to get out of our own head, out of right. our own stories, out of our own victimhood. And like out of all that shit you've been selling yourself, it's not true. <laughs> it's not true. Right. Yeah. yeah. Again, like I, I'm very rude sometimes. I'm like my my clients in a gym. I'm like boring, boring. That's a boring story. I heard that before. 
Can we, can we move on from that story? That, that suffering? I'm bored. I, I, sorry, I fell asleep. I'm, I apologize. <laughs> but jokingly, right? Because that's the thing. We, we take ourselves so serious. We're so significant. So yeah. that's my rant. <laughs> well, let's get into the infinite love questions. Go for it. I'm in. So the first one is, how do you use love in your work? Oh, it's in every crevice of my work. I love people who they are and who they're not. So I use love as a way to have people open up. I use love with a ton of vulnerability. I share everything in my world, my breakdowns. I definitely don't make it about me, but I give them little related stories to what they're telling so they can feel free to have the permission to be vulnerable as well. So I'll share something like that, like that. And I love them for exactly what they've done. There's zero judgment or bias when people tell me stuff. I've heard some crazy shit, specifically the past year and a half since pandemic. People told me some stuff where I'm like, <gasps> like even for me, who's been around the world and seen a lot of shit in my life, I'm like, wow, that's a, that's a bomb. Let's deal with that. Like, so I love them for that bomb they just dropped on me. I don't judge them for it. I'm like, you did that. Okay, cool. How are you about that? And we deal with it. And it's just powerful. So I love them for exactly who they are and exactly who they're not. Today's way of being for myself, I have daily declarations. And today's for me, for the past 18 years of doing this, um, is acceptance. Accepting people for who they are, accepting them for who they're not, accepting myself for who I am, for who I'm not. Like I'm not a calm dude. I, when I'm, I'm just a hyper dude. This is who I am. I accept myself for who I am. Right. And that's a big thing, accepting. So I use love in everything. It's in, it's in the, uh, it's in the, 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 like the nucleus of everything I speak. Yeah. I love your hyperness. It's inspiring. Ah, <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> Just so excited to be alive. <laughs> yeah. Really. I'm excited to be alive. That's it. COVID's been a motherfucker, man. Yeah. <laughs> so. How is your work used to serve humanity? Oh, it gives people permission to live their best lives. So they, I wanted to be a heart surgeon growing up, cardiothoracic surgeon, hosting to do all that. Then I said, fuck it. I want to dance. I was dancing. I started doing that. I did well. So no complaints. But um, yeah, I, I really giving people their lives at their best version and being better than they were the day before they now are the butterfly effect is what I love about my coaching is that if I change your life, your thousands or millions or, but that's why I coach a lot of celebrities too, because their impact is so huge or, or CEOs or billionaires because I changed her and my butterfly effect is millions of people or 66,000 people or their Twitter five, five million. Like, so yeah, I, I give them the opportunity to deal with themselves such that they can shift their environment and retrain themselves to be the best version of themselves they've never been. So yeah, that's I, I give them the gift of themselves. And it's fun to watch. It's really fun. I'm so fulfilled after every phone call, after every Zoom, after every FaceTime, after every phone call. I'm like, yes, you know? So yeah, I give them that. And it's just humanity. Imagine if humanity, all of us, lived in our truths every day how would life look be awesome right <laughs> the funeral the, the uh, cemeteries would be pretty empty sorry friends who own cemeteries and funeral homes it'd be empty because we'd be all so busy living the fuck out of our lives and taking care of ourselves and living as long as we could right so yeah okay that's how i do it <laughs> what does it mean to you to be a positive force of goodness in the world what is okay so what does it mean to be a positive force for good you said no what does it mean for you to be, what does it mean for you to be a positive force of goodness in the world? Oh man, I don't know how not to be that. I see rainbows and unicorns. Like when I first started with you, I had my glasses on, right? These are my, my blue glasses, like my blue light glasses for coaching all day, right? Cause I'm on screen. So this is my, like, I, I, I only know how to be that. Like rainbows and unicorns is all I see. So I want everybody to have rainbows and unicorns in life. So for me, I, I have to give people the goodness out of my heart that I know for them. So such that they can find their truth, their goodness, and then live in that. Again, butterfly effect. For me, I like seeing the ripple effect of people being great every day. Like being great. Like one of my clients, we were uh, together last year when the pandemic first started, and we were doing the whole masking, the whole nine, right? And there was this homeless gentleman. Uh, I live in West Hollywood. There's a homeless gentleman. Uh, this is, a, unfortunately, in West Hollywood, we have some little homeless pockets. And uh, this homeless gentleman was on the street. And my friend digged in his pocket. He had a stack of hundreds. He looked at the guy and he said, here, give him a hundred bucks. The guy was like, oh, man, thank Like, he was so grateful. And I remember seeing that moment. And I'm like, my influence on this gentleman I'm talking about was to share his wealth with people, be great and be engaging. Before I started coaching, he wasn't engaging. He was a little bit egoic. He was also afraid to get hurt. So that, there was that wall. 
But the because of my inspiration, my coaching with him, because I've been coaching him at that point in time for about a year, he uh, he shifted. So me being a force for good, I, I mean, that's that's who I have to be. I don't know how not to be that, man. It's like, I don't have time to be, you know, evil or malicious. Or, that's just so much energy wasted. Being good has people get what they want in life. Everybody gets to win. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> what do you love most about your life? Ah, waking up. <laughs> Honestly, like, <laughs> seriously, I know it sounds super gay and super, super spiritual, but the truth is, like, waking up every day. I mean, I love, I love that I get to wake up every day. I love that I get to be me every day. I have this thing I've been saying for years now, like, oh my God, I woke up and I get to be me again with all my scars, all my stories, all my things, all my tattoos, all my, ah, yes. You know, all the imperfections, right? And uh, living in my purpose of being a life coach, it's, and it is the most fulfilling thing I've ever done. It's, it was, it is more fulfilling than my 17 years of nightlife. It's more fulfilling than my 12 years as a career dancer. Ish, I was born. And Mark Twain, in my opinion, and it's a Zen proverb as well. I don't know who said it, but it says, they say, uh, the important days of your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. And when I found out my why, I was just like, yay! I get to go do that the rest of my life. I get to coach people to their best selves for the rest of their lives and for the rest of my life. So I have lifers. Like you said, you never let go of your, your spiritual life coach. I have lifers. I have friends that I've been coaching four years, three years, two years. Like no one's going anywhere. No, no. It's great. I mean, the yeah. Only, yeah. The only way we're separating is, is when one of us transitions. There, there you go. Perfect. Yeah. One of my boys told me, he's like, dude, at, at least 20 years. He wants to pay me for 20 years of services. I'm like, I accept that. Cool. You want to pay me for 20 years? Rock and roll. I just got the phone with him before you. Yeah. I just got the phone with him before you. He's out, he's out in Houston. But uh, yeah, he's like, he's about to go buy a bunch of shit and do crazy shit. And he wants to give me 20 years of, of life coaching services payments. I'm like, I accept that. My family would love that. And then I can invest in other shit because I'm always about expanding my, my portfolio and doing cool shit. But yeah. That's sweet. That's nice. Yeah. That's nice. Okay. How do you feel you receive love? Oh, I'm way better at it now. <laughs> I used to run from it. I didn't really like to receive love because love, I didn't. Growing up, I saw love be so many different things. So I struggled with letting it in because I equated love to that I can get hurt. That's how I equated it. Mom and dad's divorce was so impactful when I was six years old back in 1980. Uh, yeah, I didn't know what love could actually feel like, even though I was really loved growing up. I was really, I've always been really loved, but I was afraid of it because I didn't want to get hurt by it. So I've learned, and this is the moment, this is a specific moment I'll tell you back in 2011, where my dear friends pulled me aside one day and said, Sean, I'm really mad at me. I'm like, wow, why, why are you mad at me? He's like, and he was like really mad, like legit mad. I'm like, why? He's like, do you know I've known you for like 10 years? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, but why are you mad? He goes, you've never let me pay for anything. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, you're my boy. You come to my nightclubs, I got you. You come to my dinners, I got you. He's like, that's the problem. He goes, you've never let me take care of you. I went, huh. He goes, you'd never let me buy you a drink. You never let me buy you dinner. You always take care of you. never let me pay your nightclubs. I'm like, yeah, 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 because my friend he goes, you know how much money I make a year? I'm like, no. He goes, $350,000. I'm like, wow, you make $350,000? i am like, fuck, you need more than me. That's awesome. He goes, you know, you know what I do for you? I'm like, yeah, and I quote what he did. And he's like, so why don't you let me take care of you? And I'm like, huh, all right. He goes, from now on, you're not paying for shit. I got this. And it was his way of loving me. And I was so not present to it. I was so busy being host, as you saw me, right? I'm like, social butterfly. Or shout out to PJ DeMarks. He calls me Ninja Bomb. He's like, touch Trump like five seconds. And then he's gone, Ninja Bomb. So, you know, I'm like, yeah, but that's just my natural way of being. Connect with as many people. Pollinate as many people's world as possible. Hummingbird style. Like, cool, connect with you. Connect with you. Live your best life. Say, I say a word or sentence that inspires you to change your life. Go, you know? So yeah, that that those are... Those are super powerful things for me. I mean, it's 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 just lights up my heart. And so I, I love getting to live in my purpose every day. It's awesome. Being with you right now, this is awesome. Yeah, this is a beautiful moment for sure. Okay, so number really next question is, when do you feel the most love? Oh, um, when people acknowledge me for the difference that I've made in their lives, which happens on a weekly basis. Like my clients, I might cry. <laughs> Forgive me if I cry, but um, my clients say really beautiful things to me a lot. And it really... um really touches my heart when they say, Sean, like that session changed everything for me. And like what you did for me changed my whole community, my environment, how I live my life, how I, you know, are in, in, engaged in humanity. I'm like that, those words, my social proof, as they call it in the world of social media, it's on my website. You'll see a bunch of stuff on my website. 
I, I, the things that people say to me, it just melts my heart, man. And it just makes me, I cry tears of joy all the time. I cry all the time and I'm, I'm grateful for it. And it's just, yeah, who gets to have a, a career that's your purpose? You get paid well for it and you change people's lives and they tell you how much they feel, love you and feel, feel about you. And like, you get to cry tears of joy. Like, what kind of fucking job? Like, that's what I get to do and be. So for me, it's like, oh man. So yeah, that's, that's when I'm in my Zen. When people tell me the impact that I am in their lives, it's beautiful. <laughs> and the last question is, where has love created a miracle in your life? Oh, cool. Um, where has love created a miracle? That's a very cool question. I like that a lot. Um, love has created a miracle in my life. Oh, okay. So when I was in jail, and by the way, to, to educate you real quick, I didn't know this about jail and prison. So jail is where people are still fighting for their lives and fighting clear their names or fighting whatever. Prison is where you, you're sentenced. You're living there. So you know exactly how much time you're there. Jail, you're not. It's undefined. So that's the difference. I was in jail. So mine was a small window of time. So it kept me there versus prison because my offense, quote unquote, wasn't as brutal as stuff that's in prison. In jail, um, yeah, this, this one kid told me he didn't know what, what love was. I said, I'm not. I said, hey, um, tomorrow I'm going to create, like I said to you earlier, or said to on the show earlier, but a love seminar. They know if I was in there, I saw the reckless behavior of all these gang members. It was 95% gang members in every door. I was in five different dorms in the four months I was there. They move you all the time. Crazy. And um, it's a business for sure. <laughs> but uh, this one day, this kid told me he didn't know what love meant. So I, I went into my bunk that night and I wrote like a, I did like a one hour presentation and I said, fuck it. It's day five in here. They don't know who I am, but fuck it. I'm just going to do a little workshop with these two kids who didn't know what love was. All of a sudden, at that point in time, I was running with the Blacks, right? So, and on the Black side, it was 19 of us. I started speaking, and one by one, it kept coming. At one point, all the Blacks were at this table, two different tables, and I was leading this love seminar. It was supposed to be an hour long. It was three and a half hours. And, we, and it got really intense at the point. When you're congregating in, in unfortunate jail, when you congregate in a big group, you have to let the other groups know what you're doing because they don't want you to think that they're, you're plotting against them. So you have to go like let the Sudenos, the the the, the white, the, the Peckerwoods, all the others say, "Hey guys, we're just talking about love here," and you can't cross color lines, which is such a weird concept to me. But uh, yeah, that that moment, educating these guys, and telling me at the end of the workshop, I said to them, "Hey guys, what's the first thing you're gonna do when you walk out of here?" And the things these people told me, wow, it was just like, so it was it. It was the most heartwarming things I ever heard, like who they said they were going to become that they'd never been because they didn't know how to be that. And my words and workshop, I created day number five out of 113 days I was in there. I tattooed 113 in my heart to remind me of my struggle of what I went through, you know, and that right there was everything. So the difference of one, like you said earlier about how I was one person that made a difference at Jazz Eclectic, the difference of one is what I really got because I, I left those kids, those humans incarcerated humans I got to bond with. They're different people. Some of them are in my life right now. Some of them I talk to right now that are out in the streets living, living their lives. Because like, fuck yeah, like what? <laughs> so for me, that's, that's, that's everything. That's everything right there. <laughs> wow. I am in awe of you and the mm. magical being that you are. And I'm so grateful to have known you and to know you and that you're in my world and that you're in the world doing this amazing work that you're doing. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Again, can you say how people can find you, connect with you, work with you? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, you know what? I started doing this new thing. I give out my cell phone number. Here, here's my cell phone number. It's 310-428-5017. Once again, 310-428-5017. Text me. Text me, we'll connect. You can find me online everywhere. I have like 26 ways you can find me, but my website's the best one. Uh, www.seanantonio.com, S-H-A-W-N-A-N-T-O-N-I-O. All my stuff's up there, social media, my books. I have two books on Amazon, one called Be the Beast You Are, about being your true beast and just crushing life. And the second one is Having Amazing Relationships. They're $8 on Amazon. They're game changers. And I wrote those in my depression in 2017 massive depression and wrote the best books I've ever I mean my opinion and the opinion of many people around the world it changed your lives so seanantonio.com reach me up there DM me on Instagram I'm getting better about that on Sean Antonio Life Coaching DM me there we'll, I give away half hour free sessions to connect and see if you like me or we work together well it doesn't matter I'm just committed that we all win such so fucking win so find me reach out to me let's do this 
Well, I'm sending you so much love. I love you so much. Thank you so much for being on the show. And I will talk to you soon. <laughs> I'll talk to you, Cedric. Great to be with you. You're fucking awesome. Have an awesome week. We'll talk soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and tune in on Tuesdays for new episodes. You can connect with me on Instagram at Corinne J. Kamara. Sending you infinite love. Thank you.